1: Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: In the recent history of documentary filmmaking, one scene stands out above all. The hot mic bathroom confession of Robert Durst and the Jinx. Now the person responsible for that moment, Sereb Kaufman, stepson of the victim, friend of the murderer, star of the documentary, for the first time ever, shares why he believes you're watching the furthest thing from the truth on this exclusive episode of Murder Homes. Listen to Murder Homes on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins.
4: Hi everybody. I'm Robert Evans, and this is again behind the bastards. Uh, this is part two of our of our episode on Eric Prince, uh, and with me in the studio today is Miles. How are you doing, Miles? I'm
5: good. I am
4: great, and I'm just I'm itching to know more
5: about Eric Prince because the first round, first episode, first part, which was like six months ago. Yeah, but I still remember most of it, and I it's it's a testament to the
4: American spirit. That's a thing. It's a testament to that, among other things. It's a testament to being born with hundreds of millions of dollars. Mm -hmm. Yeah, testament to all of that stuff. Well, uh, what have you been up to in the last six months?
5: Uh, Last six months. uh, I don't really care.
4: Okay. What's your guess as to what Eric Prince has been getting up to?
5: I'm going to, if I'm a bet gambling man and I like to gamble, I'll go with a safe bet, and I'm just going to say Crimes Against Humanity. Just in general. War crimes?
4: Yes. I mean, Okay, war crimes. okay I'm, sorry, I'm at, sorry. Absolutely. Has, so he has been a part of some war crimes yeah. that have been committed recently, which we'll talk about later. But more interestingly, I, I guess I should be more pointed. Do you want to guess as to what Eric Prince has bought since you and I talked Okay. Last? So last time he tried to make that his homemade fucking fighter
5: jet. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. that went. <laughs> that did, did not, not work out well. Uh, so what's easier? Probably Boats.
4: Ding, 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 I mean,
5: knowing how Betsy DeVos loves her yachts, yeah. you know, it only makes sense that Brother Eric is going to be like, let me turn
4: this well, ship up. Just within the last few weeks, he purchased or purchased We'll get into what he did later. But okay. he basically purchased, quote, three high-speed catamarans armed with electronically aimed and fired machine guns and cannon, three trimarans armed with heavy machine guns and cannon, and drones which could be armed. They are equipped with military-grade surveillance radars and high-speed semi-rigid inflatable boats that can be used to launch commandos and boarding parties from the larger ships. Wow. <laughs> yes. Wait, what was the
5: second kind of boat you said? A, a tri- trimaran?
4: What is that? I'm at, It's just It's a boat of some sort. And it has a lot of guns on it. Right. I, I don't know much about boats. Okay. But he bought two different kinds of boats with a shitload of guns on them.
5: Can you show me a picture of a catamaran and a trimaran? Sophie. Perfect. All right. Just so I can wrap my head around. Because what's a isn't a catamaran like when I think of a catamaran, I don't think of like a a warfaring boat. I I'm, I assume there are
4: arm. I mean, I think it's by a basic, a def- broader definition. It's where, like a type of boat, yeah. and they just armored this one and put some guns on it. Yeah. Yeah, our Eric. Yeah, so Eric Prince has a. Well. Oh, okay. So it is a thing with like the three. Okay, because yeah, oh, yeah like, the catamaran
5: is like that. the two piece yeah. thing where you see people. It's like we're in Saint Tropez and I'm laying yeah. on this net in between. The... It's
4: it's the boat equivalent of those spaceships in Cloud City and. Uh, Bespin. The... Bespin, thank yes. you. Yeah, yeah, it's like <laughs> yeah.
5: that. Right, I think uh, which is so funny, like. It's still very, like waspy, like old money, like a catamaran, except for war,
4: yeah. Well, he in a little bit of defense to Eric. Mm-hmm. he didn't he didn't just go buying armed catamarans. He bought the Navy of Mozambique. Oh okay. yeah, yeah. So great rates over there. Well, yes, because their their economy collapsed recently because their entire country got taken in by a giant con scam thing. Wow. Oh. Basically, they um they wanted to modernize their tuna harvesting fleet and needed like a loan for eight hundred million dollars, right? Okay. Which, which they got, and which the people of Mozambique were like, yeah, sure, modernize the tuna harvesting fleet, we'll all make more money, but the government. Working with shadowy foreign interests secretly took out an extra $1.2 billion in loans that they used to buy a navy and they lied about it. And so. Wait, an extra one. Anyway, yeah. So the first yeah.
5: thing is, we need eight hundred million for the tuna. Fleet. For the tuna, fleet. and they're like, you
4: know, it's a it's a sea bound nation. Right? What, but then spoiler, you
5: buy, God. then you secretly borrow even
4: more than what you <laughs> to tell buy a them. navy. What the fuck? Okay. <laughs> so they bought this navy secretly, and then and lied about it. And but once they'd bought it, they'd spent all of their money, so they didn't have enough money to man the navy, which they were planning to. They were planning to lease the navy to a private corporation that would then basically be a for-profit navy based in Mozambique. So they like wanted the to shipping,
5: Airbnb their fucking navy. Yeah,
4: that was the plan. <laughs> yeah, just <laughs> like getting the black on this thing. <laughs> yeah, but they just didn't, they they couldn't actually run the navy, and the whole venture sort of collapsed, and somehow Eric Prince wound up uh, in control of it. Now, it's weird, because the first source I found this from was was a website that's new to me called spiked news which builds itself as an outlet for stories that have been buried or crushed by the daily media noise so i was a little bit like mm. is this some fake news bullshit right. so i looked around and i was able to find other sources on the article that were a little bit less direct than spiked had been but said basically the same thing so i'm going to quote from this bloomberg article called eric prince to partner with mozambique's hidden debt companies which okay <laughs> that yeah. sounds above board <laughs> hidden debt companies is a, one of those are the companies that helped members of the government of Mozambique take on more loans right, than the right. country could afford, Love which them. then bankrupted the nation. Yeah, Hidden so, debt company will always sound terrible. There's no yeah, way to make that sound Yeah. Good. And these are the people Eric is working with. So Blackwater Security founder Eric Prince will partner with at least one of the state-owned Mozambican companies at the center of a hidden loan scandal that resulted in the country defaulting on its debt this year. Prince, chairman of the Hong Kong-based Frontier Services Group, is forming a joint venture with the tuna fishing company Amatum and may extend this to assisting the Southeast African nation with maritime security. Hmm, <laughs> Yummy! <laughs> I wonder if Eric Prince has a navy now. It sounds it's, like it sure sounds like Eric sure, Prince renting has one. a navy now. Yeah, at least renting a navy. Yeah, exactly. He's like, I don't want to go that. I'm not doing that yeah. well. I'm I'm rent I'm leasing a navy. And he's he's doing some counterterrorism stuff for the country. So yeah, it sounds like he has found a country. In fucking quotes counterterrorism, <laughs> whatever that yeah. is. Yeah, he's he's doing something shady in Mozambique, and right. he has a navy. So that's good. That's really nice. Yeah. Um, anyway, we're all caught up. Uh, other than the, the he bought a fucking Navy, he bought a, I, it's like we bought a Sioux but with war machines. I know <laughs> he
5: bought a catamaran a trimaran with no six of them, six I of think. them three, three catamarans three and, three. and three trimarans and plus drones plus little skiffs so you can you can just have boarding commandos parties. yeah
4: because Eric Prince should have more commandos. Well, it the, worked well the last he, time. The
5: bodies part he can figure out. It's the getting around the international laws that prohibit private people from owning military hardware. <laughs> he's mastered <laughs> yeah he's 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 really a, is he's like he's, i he's focused he's focused if anything mm-hmm. this is focused. a man who said i will have some kind of my own military yeah. army I, Air force. I, I want
4: my own militaries right and he's, he's got
5: he's got his he's got his ground goons mm-hmm. he's got the ground game worked out now he wanted couldn't
4: couldn't figure out the skies now take him to the sea yep yep so he's he's in the sea yeah and that's, uh, that's where Eric Prince is now. So, now that we're all cut up, I would like to talk to you about the book that I just read this week. Oh, okay. It's called Civilian Warriors, the Inside Story of Blackwater and the Unsung Heroes of the War on Terror. Well, first of all, based on everything <laughs> we were talking about last time,
5: to call some of these people fucking unsung, <laughs> unsung heroes? <laughs> heroes? Holy
4: shit. Well, the people who saw their heroics couldn't sing because they were too busy screaming. Right. Because Blackwater was firing grenades into a crowd. Right. And they're like, <laughs> they're like, I'm sorry, man. I, I haven't I haven't let this thing off all day. Yeah. So obviously, the author of that book is Eric Prince. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and some other guy. Clearly, Eric Prince outlined it, and some other dude filled out the writing. You know? Right. Whoever the ghostwriter is, but he's credited as the author. Uh, it's exactly the kind of self-serving autobiography you would expect from a billionaire whose companies ha- companies have been tied to more war crimes than several SS battalions. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's just dive into the introduction. Uh, okay. This gives Eric a chance to lay out his beliefs on the war on terror in brief. So, yeah. Western governments continue to struggle to find real solutions to these crises. They have spent trillions of dollars during that Cold War preparing the mightiest of hammers. But when you have a magnificent hammer, everything looks like a nail. So this is the problem. He's accurately identified the problem the U.S. military has with counterinsurgency. Right, right. Because we do have a really great hammer, and we're not dealing with nail problems. That's fair. You get a penis implant, and you're like, how do I not fuck with this thing? Mm -hmm. Yeah, but then you wind up in the wall of... Penis, the hall of Penises. Yeah, and so your penis is just useless. Yeah, I yeah. guess so. Yes, that's Gotta the situation. That's a fine analogy to yeah. the current we'll U.S. Rock military with that. strategy. I anyway, mean, everything is a phallic metaphor. Yeah. yeah, it's it's funny to me that he's he's diagnosing the shortcoming and attributing it to the U.S. military. That their problem is that they have a great hammer and so everything looks like an nail. Because all Eric has ever done in his entire life is build hammers. Um, But he he seems to think that what his people do is different and more suited to the war on terror than what the U.S. military does. Right, because they don't have rules. Yeah. Well, the hammer of traditional forces lacks the nimbleness and fiscal efficiency of either small active duty units or contracted special forces. Even more troubling, traditional forces can inflame a situation instead of
5: pacifying it. Instead of
4: pacifying (laughs) it. Instead of pacifying it.
5: What what colorful language. I love that.
4: Yeah, and I love it because if there's one thing Blackwater absolutely has done everywhere it's operated, it's inflamed the situation. Oh, no. We pacified it. Uh, That's what they'll say, right? I would say Army Colonel Peter Mansour said this about Blackwater. If they push traffic off the roads or if they shoot up a car that looks suspicious, they may be operating within their contract, but it is to the detriment of the mission, which is to bring people over to our side. Uh, There's also another quote I found in a textbook called U.S. Domestic and International Regimes of Security by uh, Army Colonel – Lieutenant Colonel Ralph Peters who said, armed contractors do harm counterinsurgency efforts, just ask the troops in Iraq. So there's there's a lot of – Military people who have served alongside Blackwater right. were like these guys don't help the effort in any way. It's just the, like that nepotism. Like, yeah. where suddenly
5: your boss's like nephew shows up to work and yeah. he's fucking useless. But it's like the boss had extra money, so it's like yeah, just give it to this guy. Fuck <sighs> it.
4: Well, it's a mix of like the boss had extra money, but also like Ooh, boy, we only have half as many troops as right. we need to do the job, and these guys don't count as humans legally. <laughs> right. Like we don't yeah. have to report that they exist or died. Right. <laughs> it's a whole mess. Ugh. Um, <sighs> So Eric has a little bit of a chip on his shoulder about the fact that, you know, he had to sell his company, Blackwater, and it had to be renamed. And, Mm -hmm. you know, there were all those murders and massacres. Here's how he sums that all up. After failing in their multi-year effort to win hearts and minds in Iraq, the bureaucrats decided a company that had repeatedly answered this government's pleas for help was suddenly more valuable as a scapegoat. I was strung up so the politicians could feign indignation and pretend my men hadn't done exactly what they paid us handsomely to do. <laughs> oh wow! What a worldview! I love it because, like, the major incident that led to him losing Blackwater was a bunch of his guys firing into a crowd. Right, <laughs> and it was like a
5: protest, right?
4: No, was was it was just a traffic circle. One of them panicked, That's and they just right. fired oh, into right, a crowd. Right, right, and
5: there was like no explanation. There was no explanation, and there weren't really any weapons present
4: any- No incoming fire right. whatsoever. No, they just massacred fourteen people, and he's like, ah, it's the politicians oh, trying to make me look bad. <laughs> Maybe if your people hadn't shot for – and then there was that guy who drunkenly shot the vice president of Iraq's security guard in the right. green zone. There was a lot of stuff, those guys yeah. who crashed an armored vehicle because right, they were right. hammered. Right, because they were drunk. <laughs> right. It's just the party crew. Blackwater. It Those do sound like some fun parties. I mean, in the scariest
5: way where you're like, I mean, these guys know what they're doing with their guns, but I feel like it's going to get weird suddenly. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Uh. yeah, they don't
4: sound fun to drink with getting drunk and having an armored vehicle to tool around with. Yeah, it sounds, sounds like great. a shitload. But of fun. not in
5: like an environment where there's the possibility that they yeah, would have to yeah. be like have some kind of like situational Need awareness your wits ar- around yeah.
4: you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh if you're a company that makes armored vehicles, we're open for sponsorships. I would I love will, to crash one drunkenly. Yeah, I and will just get a- drunk yeah. in your Bearcat and write it right into a fucking wall. Right. And show how strong it is. How sturdy that armor is. right. Yeah. Uh, So Prince's book is surprisingly anti-military. He's very careful about it because obviously he's a conservative dude and you can't say the military is not heroic. But he he's picked specific officers who have said bad things about his soldiers and tries to discredit them. Um, And he regularly talks about how often the U.S. military screws up and jobs that Blackwater is also present at and usually will, like, point out how much better the Blackwater contractors performed. Right, right, right. Like, there's a picture in his book, like, I guess at some point John Kerry and some other congressmen were visiting Afghanistan and their helicopter was, like, grounded on, like, a fucking mountain peak or some shit. The picture looks like they're on a mountain peak and they... They had to get rescued, and the team that came in and got them was Blackwater stuff. And Eric Prince was like, but he thanked U.S. soldiers and not Blackwater contractors. It's like, well, he was probably thanking the U.S. soldiers who guarded him up on the top of that mountain for hours. Yeah, right. (laughs) Not the tow truck guys. Not the tow truck (laughs) guys. (laughs) Whatever. Anyway, uh, so yeah, Prince's book is surprisingly uh, anti-military. He also cites the failure in rebuilding Afghanistan and sort of ignores the fact that that effort to rebuild Afghanistan was... Mainly carried out by private companies. Yeah, uh, I was gonna say. Yeah,
5: yeah. Well, again,
4: yes. Uh, so here's a quote from his his book on Afghanistan that I, I think is is relevant, considering some of his more recent plans for Afghanistan. Witness the totally failed economic development of the Afghan economy after nearly 13 years of U.S. special forces on the ground. The aid community spent billions in dead-end boondoggles while ignoring the mineral and energy sectors that could make Afghanistan an independent nation instead of a welfare case. Oh, wow. What do you think about that? I mean, sounds like there was some stuff to pillage. Yeah. Whoa, you are right on I the mean, money today. I mean, that's what that sounded like.
5: He's like, yeah. guys, there's just fucking money
4: in the there's ground. A lo- there's a lot of money in the ground in Afghanistan. It would be really great if there was like some sort of outside document that we could look at that would give us a better idea of what Eric really meant when he started bringing up Afghanistan's mineral and energy wealth. Oh hey. There it is, turns right? <laughs> out it turns out he's been shopping his plan to privatize the war in Afghanistan around DC and BuzzFeed actually got a copy of the PowerPoint presentation that Eric's using to try and sell his privatize the war in Afghanistan plan.
5: Which is doing quite well, isn't it? Probably, from what it's I, from, probably gonna have from what I hear in the news constantly, yeah. it's like that's always on the horizon and always being, you know, promoted, at least from the Trump we'll administration. We'll talk
4: about that. His uh, his slideshow is titled An Exit Strategy for Afghanistan, a Test Case for the Strategic Economy of Force. Why don't you just call it An Exit Plan for Afghanistan? Just give it to me. Well, there's a reason that he made sure the word economy was in there. Right, right, yeah, right. Yeah, and we're about to get into that. Uh, so it turns out there's a whole slide on this slideshow. Uh, about the rare earth minerals that are present in the Helmand province. And Eric makes a big point of the fact that there's an estimated $1 trillion in rare earth minerals in the ground in just this one province of Afghanistan.
5: Wasn't there a lot of fighting in the Helmand province? <laughs> oh, you
4: betcha. Like, I yes. feel like
5: that's the one province you would, was like
4: repeatedly referred to. I mean, it's possible. Or at least that one one portion of, of There's of the debate admission. between like what the U.S. military says is controlled in Afghanistan and what, the Taliban controls. There's debate between right. that, but they they probably there's a good chance they control something like sixty percent of the country right now. Um, so anyway, yeah, that map looks pretty looks pretty juicy. It's interesting that he's really specifying how many rare earth minerals are inside Helmand Province in this. I I wonder what he intends to do right. with these minerals. Well, in the slideshow, uh, he states that he states that under his plan, the military effort in Afghanistan will be quote strategic mineral resource extraction funded. Prince believes that this will break the, quote, negative security economic cycle of the war in Afghanistan. So, Wow. So we'll (laughs) dig up
5: the rare earth minerals and self-fund while we just destroy the earth (laughs) there. Yeah. So
4: Eric Prince uh, essentially wants to make Afghanistan, take Afghanistan from an expensive peacekeeping operation by the United States to a profitable rare earth mineral selling corporate endeavor – uh, there's no talk or hint about how this might make life better for African right. people. He's doing like uh, rich
5: war criminal, poor
4: war criminal, where it's like, it's about passive income, guys. Yeah. A Prince Company spokesperson said to BuzzFeed when they asked them about this, quote, What is laid out in the slides is a model of an affordable way for the U.S. to stabilize a failed state where we are presently wasting American youth and tens of billions of dollars annually. So they're basically glomming onto the fact that pretty much everyone is like, yeah, it's dumb that we're still in Afghanistan. Yeah. Super. We're not... And he's like, sane people are like, it's dumb that we're in Afghanistan. We should leave. He's saying, it's dumb that we're in Afghanistan. You should give it to me so that I can mine it. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's all I'm interested in. Yeah. Well,
5: because like, there is one... I can see like on the face of it, right? Because since the Iraq War and Afghanistan... Like, that has just been a money pit that has just been led to the accelerated decline of the American empire, right? Yeah, like, it's yeah. sort of these late— It's
4: what Afghanistan does, maybe. Right. But it's like, it, but
5: it follows that trend of, like, all historical empires. Like, yeah. they get into these, like, glamour wars that end up bankrupting the country or whatever.
4: And more often than not, the war is in Afghanistan. Right. <laughs> yeah. Jesus.
5: Yeah, and then so on one part, I go, yeah, well, it is kind of a money pit, and that's all money that could have been spent in the U.S. on things yeah. like education. Healthcare, we but... could
4: really use some bridges. Yeah, right. <laughs>
5: Oh, but, you know, let him mine it. Is yeah, let him mining? mine it.
4: Hmm? He's in mining? He can find a guy. Yeah. yeah he can, He'll yeah. find a guy. He has a fucking navy, yeah. so he <laughs> can find i I'm pretty sure he can handle some mining. Hit up the homies at Rio Tinto. If he can make the sea his mistress. Right. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. Um, interestingly enough, uh, Eric Prince's stated inspiration for his fucking sweet idea seems to be the East India Tea Company. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Wall Street Journal let him write an opinion article in May of 2017. The article was titled The MacArthur Model for Afghanistan. But further into the article, he cites our favorite corporation, which if you haven't listened yet, we did an episode on the East India Company. They conquered India in the 1700s and starved 20 or 30 million people to death through negligence. Uh, Yeah, and they also invaded Afghanistan, which is why they went bankrupt. Uh, Interesting stuff. Anyway, here's Eric. An East India Company approach would use cheaper private solutions to fill the gaps that plague the Afghan security forces, including reliable logistics and aviation support. So... Bold bold of Eric Prince to directly cite a company that was destroyed conquering Afghanistan. Right, right, yeah, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, maybe maybe it'll be different this <laughs> maybe time. Maybe it'll be different this yeah. time. I know that okay, wrong example. Uh like the Soviet uh hmm. Is there something about Afghanistan that makes powerful rich white men with armies stupid? I don't like, know. Like is there like a, you a tell like me a, a magical effect that it has? I don't. I don't know. Because it Do keeps they, happening.
5: <laughs> did they all know? Did the Soviets know the
4: resources that were there back then? I, yeah, but that's not even why they. Like, that, they yeah, just but that got wasn't the motivation yeah. to support a government that was right. socialist. Like- so. They lost money there. We lost money there. The British Empire fought three or four wars there and bled itself dry there. Right. Nobody wins in Afghanistan. Afghanistan might just be like where God lives.
5: (laughs) You know what I mean? Where it's like, don't come in here, bro.
4: No, this is my house. Yeah,
5: like, watch this. (laughs) Who's next? I'll take all your money.
4: Yeah. Anyway, uh, according to The Atlantic, so Eric hasn't been forthcoming on most of the details of his plan, but according to The Atlantic and some other sources, we know that he wants a viceroy to run the whole operation. He compares this person to a bankruptcy trustee who would have full control over hiring and firing U.S. personnel and country. Mentors would be embedded into Afghan units. These would be men from any country, according to Prince, quote, with a good rugby team. So British, Australians, any country with a good rugby yeah, team the, the, would have team captains no, well, or whatever. That, he, that's where It'd he'll be recruit the, his mercenaries to from. To mentors. Yeah. Wait,
5: why Why the rugby? The, I don't know. That's weird, right? Yeah, he's like, I love rugby union. Rugby yeah. guys are good at war. Okay, so New Zealand, uh, yeah. South Africa. Oh, New
4: Zealand's super good at war, famously. Yeah. I mean, I think South Africa is probably more. Yeah, anymore. South Africa makes you, more he's sense. Gonna, like <laughs> he's going to get a lot of South African guys Some in there. crooks out of there. He's like, but they can
5: also play rugby.
4: Yeah. Now, interestingly enough, Eric Prince also wants... A composite air wing to help the Afghan Air Force. In other words, this viceroy would have his own private air force working alongside the Holy Afghan shit. Air
5: Force. So, with his <laughs> with his proposal, if they were to be like, okay, here are the keys, then they would have they would loosen laws to allow this mm-hmm. viceroy to then
4: of course, finally it's have part of the job. The job. Fucking... He's got to have an air force, right? Right. Of course. Right. Of course. course. Got to have air superiority. Gotta... And so, Eric Prince would mine Afghanistan's minerals and use it to buy himself an air force, which he would then use to bomb the Afghan people it is it's
5: like a literal parasitic
4: relationship it's, it's in i i'm honestly he's the most respectable person close in the orbit of the trump administration right now cuz you got to give one thing to eric prince he is persistent right like he wants an air force he's and he's fucking, really putting right. in the groundwork to do it yeah so like, he's he's just
5: leasing that navy just to get yeah. over the fucking the <laughs> loss void. of yeah. his air force
4: it's like, it's just even though I have that, it's about the fucking air force. <laughs> it's about having an air force. I there's something not respectable, but like no, I mean, I guess objective. If you removed all
5: the actual details that made it about yeah. war and killing and things like that, and it's just about one person who has a dream and yeah. the you know just whatever he has to to overcome that he's going to do.
4: Yeah, and that's something. That that's all I'll say. That is something. It is something. That is something at the core of his being. Yeah. that makes him at least interesting. Although oh, well, you do have a great Eric Prince is my God t-shirt on right now. I wear that a lot, yeah. actually. Yeah. yeah.
2: I yeah, wasn't going diff- to
5: try and read <laughs> into it much. Different Eric Prince. Yeah, okay,
4: cool. <laughs> <laughs> He's this guy that lives down the street from me, and I'm trying to – Anyway, let's look really at some ads. <laughs> yeah, uh, ads. Yeah, ads. Yeah. And there's so many rewards to discover. Rare stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums. Delightful emojis to taunt people with when you raid their riches. Unique playing pieces and so much more. The verdict is in with Monopoly Go. There's something new to discover every time you play. So don't miss out. Go download it now for free on the App Store and Google Play.
0: Bean Dad. The Dress. 30 to 50 feral hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail.
6: black women the way we lean on our mothers our grandmothers our sisters our friends we're just each other's pulse i mean it's molecular you know listen to the bright side from hello sunshine on the iheart radio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts
4: and we're back Ah, oh, those are some great ads Fantastic. The quality products, services, also pretty good. Anyway, <laughs> let's get back to uh, Eric Prince. So, yeah, when we last left Eric Prince. He's talking about turning Afghanistan into a rare minerals company uh, right. that he runs via violence. Yeah. Uh, right. Against the Afghan people. So that's fun. Uh, he's not the only guy in D.C. who's shopping around this idea. Steven Feinberg, who runs Cerberus Capital and also the military contractor DynCorp, has been pushing a similar plan around Washington. <sighs> Uh, Feinberg is a close friend of President Trump. Uh, he was almost given a position overseeing an intelligence review this year, but the intel community recoiled because he has no background in intel or yeah, the military, he's like fucking, he he has doesn't know com- anything. He Cerberus and fucking, what was the other one? Dino? DynCorp. DynCorp is one of the military contractors that doesn't commit... Rampant war crimes like oh, Blackwater. Okay. So like I mean, I'm sure they've like got some blood in of, their history, but yeah. they're more respectable than Blackwater, right? <laughs> which is a low bar. <laughs> and then Cerberus. I'm like, oh yeah, that evokes really cool yeah. imagery. Cerberus
5: Capital sounds like you're the good guys. Yeah, exactly. We're a fucking <laughs> mythical dog monster.
4: Yeah, uh, I do want to praise Eric on something uh, real quickly, which is his his. Acumen for this. Pr- He's the perfect man to take advantage of this time in Republican politics. And my evidence for that is one of the slides in this docket he put together, uh, which, again, is a slideshow that's made for President Trump. In the slideshow, uh, he bills the privatization of the war in Afghanistan as, quote, the Wolman ice rink moment of the Trump administration. That's the name of one of the slides, the Woolman ice rink moment in the Trump administration. Uh Do you have any idea what that's a reference to? No, but it's probably something very cool. I guarantee you this is one of the only things I could reference that President Trump would know about and you would not. And that's because back in like the 1980s, the Woolman ice rink in New York City stopped making ice. Uh, or in the 70s, I guess. In 1980, the New York Parks Department started working to change that. They spent like six years and $13 million trying to fix this ice rink and basically had to announce at that point that they were going to have to start all over again. And so it was like this big famous story of government incompetence. They spent millions of dollars, they can't get this ice rink going. So Trump starts publicly saying that he can do the job, like under budget and in less time than anybody else. And everybody assumes he's full of shit, but he gets the job and he actually does it. Under budget for like three million bucks in in like a quarter of the time. It was people like the one fucking time he did it the, the thing that he said he was yeah he do? he he did the thing. He got the ice rink working again. It made ice or he didn't. I mean he hired the people who did it. But like when you say it made ice, like he, they just couldn't keep the rink at the temperature to keep yeah. The I ice don't, I the don't know the ex- well whatever. But, but yeah, this is like one it just of failed the...
5: to actually have ice on the rink. <laughs> yeah, which so. is important
4: for an ice. Yeah, rink. Yeah, then, uh, then you have a roller rink. So he managed the project that got it fixed and he did it under budget and and anyway, it's a thing Trump talks uh, talked about often on the campaign trail when he was running for president Um, um, he's he's smart right no he's saying that yeah he's saying that Afghanistan is like that ice rink back in the 1980s so the government's just not smart enough to fix it Uh, so he knows how to sell this plan to Donald Trump Um, and I suspect he'll be successful eventually I mean based on everything we read all the time in the news it just seems like every day or every story that comes out we inch closer and closer to the privatization of that war yeah which is not the right plan just leave Yeah. Just admit it was a stupid idea. Right. Get the fuck out. Right. Say you're sorry. Offer the government some aid removing all the bombs we dropped. Exactly. Like, just get the fuck out. But that's, I think we're probably going to go with Eric's plan. So, let's get back into the book. This was a long digression because he talked about, I didn't realize that when this book was published back in like 2014, he already had this plan together. So this has clearly been on Eric's mind for a while. It's like his demo tape that he goes around to shows with. Yeah, and he has a real gift for spending his career running a mercenary empire into personal heroism. Uh, in the beginning of his like in the beginning of his book, he tries to present himself as a lifetime servant of both his country and of course, of God. Uh, he says, "Since I first enrolled in the Naval Academy after high school, my life's mission has been to serve God, serve my family, and serve the United States with honor and integrity. I did it first as a midshipman, then as a seal, then when personal tragedy called me home from the service as a contractor, providing solutions for some of the thorniest problems on earth. The business of war has never been pretty, but I did my job legally, and I did it completely, too well, perhaps. <laughs> Growing blackwater until it became something resembling its own branch of the military and other government agencies. It's like he was (laughs) winking the whole time, and and I did it legally. Wink. So we're going to have another digression now, because I couldn't let the sentence too well, perhaps, Yeah, too well. Wow, okay. So I was worried when I started doing this, because I was like, we talked about a lot of Blackwater's horrible negligence and the deaths associated with it last episode. And I was like, am I going to be able to find more examples of that for this episode without repeating myself? Turns out it just took about a second on Google, because I just typed in a couple of key phrases, and I found a 2005 Washington Post article about a plane crash. Uh, of a, pl- a crash of a plane in Afghanistan, piloted by a firm that was a part of Blackwater, essentially, one of Eric Prince's aviation firms, killing all six on board. Uh, so, the first Army report, which was released two weeks later, said that the plane, which again is essentially a Blackwater plane, was in violation of numerous government regulations and contract requirements. Uh, so basically they were breaking a bunch of rules now Presidential Airways which is the company that Prince owned under one of these big umbrella things right Mm -hmm. he's got all these but anyway presidential airways was essentially accused of pairing pilots and co-pilots who both didn't have any experience flying in Afghanistan and then not training them properly for flying in Afghanistan and then not supplying them with communications equipment that they needed to properly fly in Afghanistan so two of their guys and I think four U.S. soldiers got killed in this crash Uh, and so the families sued Eric Prince and Eric Prince gets sued by families quite a lot yeah (laughs) that's like (laughs) that's that's my middle name Eric getting sued sued by by families by families (laughs) you're you're Almost always the bad guy if whole families are suing you. (laughs) Yeah, and also when your negligence is that like acutely criminal. Yeah, you know. So an attorney for the families accused uh, them of Presidential Airways of cutting corners. Uh, If they're going to outsource to corporations services like flying personnel around Afghanistan, they must do it with corporations that put the safety of our men and women in uniform ahead of corporate profits. Sadly, that wasn't done here. Seems like a reasonable statement. Uh, Presidential Airways followed with a common Eric Prince tactic, calling the Army lazy and incompetent. One of Prince's representatives said, in essence, that the Army review that made them look at fault had been slapdash and was filled with errors. Everyone would need to wait until the National Safety Board report came out to really know what had gone wrong and if Presidential Airways had done anything wrong. Uh, so now I'm going to read a fun-related excerpt from Jeremy Scahill's book, Blackwater. In 2006, nearly two years after the Army investigators concluded their report, the National Transportation Safety Board issued a report of its own. The NTSB concluded that Blackwater's pilots were, quote, behaving unprofessionally and were deliberately flying the non-standard route low through the valley for fun. Oh... Uh. <laughs> Yo, <laughs> the fucking party gang comes back. Yeah, it's all—it's the same thing. They're just dumb fucking party boys getting what people the killed. Fuck. Mm-hmm. I
5: that I guess that is the one consistent like with the culture of that company. It's just yeah. sort of
4: like. Yeah, and also just fuck around whatever you want. It doesn't matter. It's guys who got frustrated at all the rules the Army has, some of which are dumb. You talk to anyone who served in the Army, and they'll be able to point out dumb things the Army makes you do. Right. But also, part of the reason the Army has so many dumb rules is so that people don't go joyriding planes and through valleys crashing, and killing yeah, six like people. Expensive <laughs> hardware. I.
5: And what's what's usually the background of a lot of the guys who end up in black water? Are they retired? Are they like discharged? Like how they're,
4: they're usually on, people who got honorably discharged. I mean, it's people who a lot of people who were in special forces and then were like, I want to get paid, which
5: oh, so then yeah. they, they kind of leave.
4: Yeah, yeah, they, they just be mean, like Wait, there's a better check,
5: right? So, but yeah. it's usually people who are like. Seeing the checks that they're cutting over there. And yeah, because like,
4: they'll have a buddy who was with in right. the service and then got out a year or two ago, and then he's like, I made $300,000 in Iraq last right. year, and we're doing the same shit.
5: Right. Yeah. And he's like,
4: and we play this game with this fucking plane where we a, a plane, puts a
5: bottle on his head, and we try and just <laughs> knock it off in the valley. <laughs> Some guys died last week, yeah. but it's
4: still fun. Whatever, dude. They didn't know what they were doing. <laughs> yeah. As you might have noticed from earlier on, Prince has a real bug up his ass about Blackwater not getting what he's seen as what he sees as the proper recognition that it's owed. He had a, a statement in his book that I found kind of funny. Uh, government agencies don't want that spotlight being shown on our work, nor to applaud the greatest advantage Blackwater offered them—increased capability. They only wanted increased deniability, mm. which is funny because that's the only reason why his company couldn't be fired from the war is right. because they needed deniable assets. Right? Yeah. Anyway, that Eric Prince doesn't like being a deniable asset and well, has never not been in the business of providing them. Right. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, yeah, that must frustrate him when he wants to be the star and he's like,
5: "I'm made to be the scapegoat."
4: Yeah, man, that's what you're doing. Yeah. That's your job. Exactly. Your job is getting to provide the soldiers that the government doesn't have to report to anyone have right. died. And you're wasting <laughs> life and money at the yeah. same time. <laughs> like that's your whole the whole reason you're a billionaire, other than the fact that your dad was. Right. Yeah. Uh, step so, one to being a billionaire step one to being a billionaire rich dad is almost your percent of billionaire? time yeah no mm-hmm. move on to square <laughs> z where you die poor yeah <laughs> where you die poor because you don't have enough you can't afford insulin yeah you keep right, the price exactly. of insulin oh it's surging. like oregon trail you broke your leg and you died <laughs> and you died but eric prince gets a navy right <laughs> yeah. fun world fun fun world so Prince says in his book, quote, The true history of Blackwater is exhilarating, rewarding, exasperating, and tragic. Don't disagree with that. It's the story of men taking bullets to protect the men who take all the credit, a tale of patriots whose names became known only when lawyers and politicians needed to blame somebody for something. Oh, Which, again, wow. is funny because Eric is the epitome of the guy who takes all of the credit while other people get shot at. He's right. never taken a bullet in his life. He's His, like, his only job has... It's basically his only job since he was 30 has been having other people fight right. for money that he pays them. Right. Yeah, like he's always taking uh, the credit. And I love that, <laughs> I, like his like scorned attitude. Of just yeah. Sort
5: of, like he sounds like, Ed Harris and The Rock, like General Hummel. Yeah. He's but like,
4: they don't they don't respect us. You just assume General Hummel saw some shit. Well and he yeah, did. Yeah, and he did. At the very in, least. What? Bosnia? Something like that?
5: Uh wherever it was, I forget. I forget. All war. I can think of his wife's tombstone
4: <laughs> that literally just said his wife <laughs> next to it. <laughs> It's like wow, way to give her an identity, Barbara. One of the m- remarkable things about that, to me, is it was one of those few movies made in that era where if you needed to have a military character who'd seen some combat, you had to really stretch to figure out where they could have been. Right, it's like Grenada, Grenada, <laughs> right. or Bosnia, like those two. Or three. Right, right, right. <laughs> now it's like, it's like we're Take yeah, your fucking pick. We're at war in like thirty countries. Well, at <laughs> least the ones we acknowledge. Yeah. You know what I mean? No one's going
5: to be there and be like, oh, in Niger. It's like, yeah. ooh, that's a it's <laughs> <Well>, a movie <laughs> ten years Ixnay from now. Ixnay on we'll the Idrenay. (laughs)
4: so uh, at this point in Eric Prince's book we're just now through the introduction Um, so chapter one opens with Eric claiming to have saved several women from a boat explosion when he was 13 wait what the (laughs) fuck I love how like
5: the intro's just like man we were spit on disrespected we were the ones doing the
4: real we're the real patriots chapter one I'm fucking call out I saved some ladies when a boat blew up Yeah, and he specifically notes at the end of this anecdote, I never did learn their names or what became of them. Ah, it's a shame. Oh, because you're like fucking Spider-Man?
5: You just fucking come through, you save people, you're like, sorry, I gotta keep this moving.
4: It's a lie. Yeah. It's a lie. Is there a (laughs)
5: detail of what exactly happened?
4: Yeah, yeah, he taught, like, these ladies, they did something bad to their boat, and its engine exploded, and they, like, jumped in the water, and he and his friend fished them out of the water and drove them to shore, and then there was an ambulance waiting to take them away or something, Which maybe a boat exploded. I I feel like at least a big part of that story is bullshit. Yeah, I have. I you know I
5: can see that there were probably people who I think a better version is maybe some women who were stranded, maybe their boat ran out of gas or something. Something they needed a ride to shore.
4: Mm-hmm. He provided it. If you were in a boat explosion uh, in somewhere at time in the 80s, and Eric Prince rescued you, and you're now a listener of this podcast, drop, drop us a line on Twitter at @bastards_pod. Yeah. Let us know what yeah. really Let happened. Let us know what really happened that day. It uh, turns out it was his boat that exploded, and the women saved him. <laughs> like, oh, that story's completely reversed. Yeah. Man, I... Whatever, if, if he saves some ladies on a boat and they reach out, I'll, I'll make a whole apology track for Eric oh, Prince yeah. and the yeah, ladies yeah. he saved from Send exploring us some boat. Anyway, Prince moves on to talk a little bit about his family history. Uh, he uses the story of his grandfather's untimely death as a justification for why welfare is bad. Uh, quote, uh, 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 when Peter died suddenly of a heart attack in 1943, my grandmother sought no government handouts, no charity from the church, not even money from family. Edgar, who had two sisters, his dad, was the man of the house now. He would provide for them. He was 12. Wait. Uh, uh, Wait. I'm I'm failing
5: to... He... What is he trying to say? That I mean, how is he trying to connect welfare
4: to? He's trying to talk about how awesome his family is by pointing out that oh, he just
5: oh right, he's like his Dude, grandma we didn't
4: take a fucking penny. penny. My grandma wouldn't take any money. She just made my twelve-year-old grand uh, dad, dad work. Yeah, yeah. Now nah, he's the how man. cool is my family? Well, you're the man now, dog. Sounds like your family's kind of abusive, Eric. Yeah. Or, <laughs> Sounds oof. like she should have sought for some welfare so her twelve-year-old yeah. could finish grade school. I mean, unless that's a lie too. Yeah. Unless that's yeah. a lie too. Who knows?
5: Could you Who imagine knows? like her? Girl Grandma was like the OG welfare queen, the mystical welfare (laughs) queen. She's just rolling around in (laughs) a Bentley. Yeah. Yeah. And that's how my dad became a billionaire.
4: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So anyway, Eric portrays that as awesome. Uh, It's worth noting that his dad didn't seem to view this as a good thing, uh, because he notes later in the book, quote, dad didn't let me hold a job during high school. Unlike his hard scrabble youth, he wanted me to enjoy those years. So ups to Eric Prince's dad. He broke a cycle. Exactly. Right. I mean- didn't turn out with a great kid, but... No, no. <laughs> yeah. They're achieving I do feel like something. Eric missed maybe that lesson. Oh, absolutely. Which was children ought not to work. Yeah, yeah. Who knows? Maybe that wasn't his dad's lesson. I don't know the guy. Uh, I bet you're wondering about Betsy DeVos, Eric yes. Prince's sister. He only mentions his sister by name once in his oh, entire I autobiography. Say, I was hoping you are going to be like, not one mention at all. I no. goes, and I have a sister. He mentions her once to talk about the guy she married.
5: Wow. Wow. <laughs> So she only comes up in the context of her yeah, husband. Yeah, yeah, Of course, typical. I think
4: the my sister is referenced a couple of times, but Betsy DeVos is only named once as he's introducing her husband. Is she his only sister? I think so.
5: Okay, that's self- maybe not. I'm not Wait, gonna look but So it up. why why is he creaming his jeans for
4: Mr. DeVos? Oh, just because he's a super rich guy, right? I I don't remember the exact context. The of dad, it right, but the I, dad I, yeah. of the family died he, recently. Yeah, they only. Re- oh yeah, good, good, because he's the founder of Amway. Yeah, yeah. He
5: still own the Orlando Magic. He has three sisters.
4: So the other times when he's referring to a sister, who knows? Who knows? What he's doesn't matter. About.
5: There's a uh, Betsy, and then the fucking other
4: ones. <laughs> fucking other fuck. ones. I didn't even check on the others, yeah. but he mentions Betsy DeVos once. Right. He's like, but hey, Betsy, the best one, cause she married had a, a rich Mary. guy. Right. She married for fucking. I mean, they were already rich. Uh, he doesn't give us much detail at all about his childhood. But if you're game, I did find one anecdote that I want to kind of go down a conspiracy rabbit hole oh, about. okay. Okay. It's Eric's description of his favorite childhood hobby. Quote, The first group of soldiers I ever assembled was made of solid lead, two inches high, standing in neat rows on my bedroom windowsill. There were hundreds of them, painted to match their real-life British, French, and Continental Army counterparts. I created them from molds I got on trips abroad, and 40 pounds of lead Dad and I melted down in a cast-iron plumber's pot.
5: Wow. He's (laughs) a little like war miniatures
4: in fairness, to Eric, dude. this makes I did. That's exactly what I did when I was yeah. a kid. I played fucking like Warhammer and I spent my whole oh, yeah. childhood and conquer, building, like, but shit. specifically building models. Oh, that was I, my whole childhood.
5: I had a set of uh, like Civil War dudes, and I remember I I went as far as buying like the fake grass to put like to create like a battlefield scene and like mm-hmm. fake trees. And I when I realized like. Because I remember as a kid, like, regular toys weren't quite scratching that itch of, like, what, yeah. like, you know, the, like, military shit looked like. So I was like, oh, you know what? I'm going to do this. It was too much work, though. So I commend you for even being a hobby <laughs>
4: yeah, toy man. That's what I did as a child. And I remember it's, like, the most poison you can expose your health to as a right. little kid. Because your hands are always covered in paints and God knows what's in them. Right. And, like, this fucking cyanoacrylic glue. I was always pulling it off of my fingers right. and stuff. But in Eric's case, he was melting lead. Right. What? And – I don't know how much lead exposure you get doing that thing, but we do have a lot of documentation on why lead exposure is really bad for children. I'm going to cite from a study made by the College of Family Physicians in Canada. Lead is a developmental neurotoxin. Children are most commonly exposed, and they are most vulnerable. Lead exposure has been associated with many cognitive and motor deficits, as well as distractibility and other characteristics of attention deficit hyperactive disorder. Although children's blood lead levels have declined considerably over the past three decades with removal of lead from gasoline and paint, children can still be exposed to lead from lead paint in older homes, toys, and other sources. Because post-exposure treatment cannot reverse the cognitive effects of lead exposure, preventing lead exposure is essential. One of the things lead exposure is most tied to is violence, violent really? crime. Lead exposure. its We've seen crime drop for most of the last 30 years, and one of the major theories behind it is that we got lead out of everything. And right. so people aren't being born exposed to lead because we know that it's one of the biggest correlators with violent crime. Does that align
5: with like the uh, women's ability to have an abortion too? Because I know that's another one. Like people, yeah. There's a bunch of that was another factor too that people have control a, over. There.
4: Yeah, right. it's certainly a mix of things, but wow. it's very
5: credible that. Wait, but how do you fucking make your own lead? It's like a thing. They just thing
4: bought in? a shitload of lead and melted it in a pot. How do you wait? So I don't. I've never had the the privilege to melt my own lead down
5: but what do you do you just put in a fucking I don't know I never did that either
4: because by the time I was collecting model soldiers they were made out of plastic because they realized you shouldn't expose children to lead or like cast iron but it sounds like he was getting blocks of lead and melting it and pouring it into his own molds. Yeah, so he was without d- any prior respiratory in, equipment. In exposing right. himself to lead fumes and everything. And I found a study in South Africa that correlates lead exposure to interest in firearms because they found that competitive shooters had higher aggression and much higher blood lead levels than competitive archers, which is an interesting group to compare it to. Right. Yeah. So oh. This what is just fu- a theory. But that's amazing, too, because, like, right,
5: the, like, lead bullets, too? Yeah. Like, the yeah. bullet in lead, it's like a well, feedback loop? Or you're, you're not how going often to, can you get I, lead
4: bullets? I've been a shooter most of my life, too, and you, 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 number one, most of the bullets you're going to buy don't have exposed lead on them. Some of them do, but it's usually jacketed or right. something. And number two, you're not getting a lot of lead exposure shooting. Because right, you're right, right. Firing, it but I imagine range. like how
5: often, like how often has the like the actual rounds themselves been protected for for people from the lead itself? Oh,
4: not not very long. In fact, if you're looking at like the the continental times, the 1800s or whatnot, people are probably melting a lot of their own balls. Right, and right, stuff. right. So yeah,
5: or making it with pewter. or whatever. Obvious.
4: like it's definitely fed into violence throughout centuries. Right, because right. Because we've been putting a lot of lead everywhere. I just think it's interesting that Eric Prince, we see in his childhood both this joy of making soldiers, and also maybe the lead exposure that's of, led him to be such a fucking violent. Like creep. literally making
5: soldiers out of the thing that would that leads to
4: like <laughs> additional violent tendencies. In it's universe. almost poetic. Yeah. Speaking of poetic, these ads are poems oh. for your wallet. Oh, yeah. Go on. Uh, I here we go. And there's so many rewards to discover Rare stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums Delightful emojis to taunt people with when you raid their riches Unique playing pieces and so much more The verdict is in with Monopoly Go There's something new to discover every time you play So don't miss out Go download it now for free on the App Store and Google Play
0: Bean Dad The Dress 30 to 50 feral hogs If you knew what any of those were You spend too much time online And hey, I do too Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey,
1: girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail.
4: And I'm, uh, I'm going to do a free ad right now, one of these great unpaid ads, which are such a smart thing to do. I'm eating some Tapatio Doritos. And folks- Oh, they've appeared. Oh, they're so good. I don't like- I'm going to try one. I can't stand Flaming Hot Cheetos. I, what? I like, I like spicy stuff in general, but not spicy chips. I, I've had- I, I hate spicy chips as a in general rule. Tapatio Doritos are fucking phenomenal. These are just delightful. Mm. Mm. little
5: ASMR for you folks at home.
4: Mm. Oh, my God.
5: Have you seen the video of the girl who takes a bite of the chip and her eyes roll back in her head? It was like an old vine. Where she's like, <laughs> it's
4: amazing. That's how, imagine this when you hear this, folks. His eyes are rolling back mm. into his head. We just saw Miles's D face. hmm Oh. Yeah. That's actually, yeah, my Dorito face. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Dorito face. Oh, there, we go. Ah, there see, we go. There we go. There we go. See, now you land gave a free it. ad yeah. campaign. Yeah. Come on, Doritos.
5: <laughs> Doritos,
4: y'all are, I'm not even going to use profanity. You guys are messing, you're messing up. And you're missing let's, a massive opportunity. Let's be more productive. If everybody could get on the same hashtag and and in the same tweet I was send out say, Doritos Not hashtag Doritos Not Dictators and hashtag Doritos, because you've got to tag or at Doritos. You gotta tag Doritos in it. And mm-hmm. you gotta do hashtag Doritos Not Dictators. If everybody does that when this episode drops, maybe or, we'll get a sponsorship and I'll get No, paid you know for all what you
5: do? Everybody po- takes a photo with Doritos and use those hashtags and you do hashtag why I eat Doritos. Oh, oh! So they see that and they're like, "Well, I mean, for somehow this guy has mobilized an army of Doritos eaters. You're like the Eric Prince of
4: Doritos I, that, consumers. That has always been my dream. Right? I was going to gonna be say the Eric Prince of Doritos. And you getting a Dorito sponsorship is your Air Force because I want Doritos <laughs> to pay me to mine Doritos right. for it's more ex- comedy. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Wow. What a beautiful. Well, now I'm seeing a conspiracy here. Mm-hmm. You heard it here first. This is conspiracy has been going on since the show began. Yeah. Yeah. I've been consistent. I mean it that. is a
5: sincere brand loyalty, so It is I, a sincere yeah. cuz
4: I love me some Doritos. Yeah. Oh, they're good. I'm going to try these tapetito Doritos and cook in some migas and see how that shit works Ooh, out. Oh, yeah. Wow. I'm, I'm, that I'm excited. Almost for seems that. sacrilegious but you know a little bit It migas is sacrilegious. Yeah. They're they're bullshit migas but they're delicious. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, for the gabachos enterprise. out there, yeah. Yeah. I'm the gabachist. <laughs> oh that actually does make me want gazpacho though <laughs> just because the names are kind of yeah oh, i could go for some of that oh, fucking you make it you make a good gazpacho soup. no but i have a friend who makes a really good gazpacho oh. i go camping with her every now and then and it's the fucking best thing and i only do it for the gazpacho yeah yeah Fuck you're like the hey you bring in the <laughs> gazpacho <laughs> <laughs> anyway back to eric prince so eric portrays himself in his childhood as a quiet boring kid I didn't smoke, I didn't drink, being an athlete gave me a social network, yet I didn't have many close friends growing up. Maybe it's because you're a sociopath. I don't know. (laughs) From the little information we have about his school years, he sounds absolutely insufferable. He portrays himself as the living embodiment of one of those marine with an atheist professor in a college class memes that circulates around the internet. You know the kind? Wait, what? Have you ever, you've run into one of those, like, now it's gone around where most of the memes are mocking the original, but there would be, like, this email forward or whatever kind of story that your conservative relatives would send you, and it's about, like, a college professor talks about how there is no God, and a Marine stands up and gives a speech about how he saw God on the battlefield, Yeah, oh, okay. yada, yada, one of those kind of stories. Right, right, right. Eric tells his version of that in this autobiography. Oh, okay. This is while he's in high school. Once in class, I challenged a teacher who called then-President Ronald Reagan's Cold War military buildup a waste of taxpayer dollars. I countered by rattling off every strategic defense initiative weapon system we needed to counter various Soviet threats. I'd analyzed Reagan's Star Wars the way my classmates picked apart the University of Michigan's football roster. Okay. Now, what's really fun about this to me is that it illustrates how bad Eric Prince is at admitting when he's wrong, because by the time Eric was 18, we knew that almost none of the weapons systems that had been talked about for the Strategic Defense Initiative were ever going to work. Right. Uh, and the, the few that would, the directed energy weapons that actually did have some potential, in 1987, when Eric was 18, a government report was released saying that essentially, these weapons would need to become between 100 and 1 million times more powerful and more energy efficient in order to have a chance at working. Wow! So, does the, the railgun count as one of those things? I don't think that started out as a Okay, I don't. that's a futuristic weapon that
5: I've always been obsessed with, and now I've seen that the Chinese have been able to miniaturize it. Those totally work. Well, yeah,
4: we've got those too. Right, those are cool. But is it?
5: Do you see the thing with the Chinese navy? Like, they've really figured out the railgun though, and like they've they're loading them up. It looks scary. Yeah, it
4: looks scary. Uh, I want one. Oh, yeah. Oh, ever sure. since Eraser. Well, and I feel like the only thing that stops a bad guy with a railgun is it's a, a good, good guy. And that's the gun. real. That's really the message of Eraser. It is, right. Yeah, which is a Good great ad film. for railguns. Yeah, yeah. But oh. Will they ever be that small? If Big Railgun wants to get in, <laughs> yeah. on a sponsorship deal, I'll, I'll talk railguns all day. That's what the uh, R in the NRA is going to be changed to. <laughs> the Railgun yeah. Association. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, uh, like nearly all people born into incredible wealth, Eric has managed to convince himself that he never got any handouts. Quote, after the heart attack, my father, his dad had a heart attack, but he survived the first one. My father was generous with his time, but never with handouts. He didn't want me relying on the family business. He made it clear that I'd been given every advantage in life and that I had no excuse for not making something of myself. Independently, I would not be working for Prince Corporation after college. He said, I would receive no trust fund. I had to make it on my own. So. Now, do we know, can we, do we know how true that is? Well, he didn't. Go straight to work for Prince Corporation right, right that part was right there, after, right there no trust fund was there no inherited wealth oh yeah there was <laughs> uh, because after his dad dies a few pages later in the book uh, Eric writes this just over a year after my father's death my mother's sisters and I sold the Prince automotive unit to Milwaukee based Johnson Controls Inc for 1.35 billion which was split between a number of dad's business partners employee stockholders and my mother's sisters and me now he puts himself last right in both of those lists very yeah. deliberately I'm gonna guess he might have gotten more money than uh, his dad's employees, stockholders oh, yeah. probably. Yeah.
2: Well, I like also the idea that his
5: sister's got a bitter, bigger, bigger <laughs> yeah, cut, yeah. and that's like dope. Like that's
4: his pain. Like with Betsy, he's like, fuck, she got such a,
2: she
5: got a bigger piece I hope so. Me.
4: I hope his dad hated him and cut him out of. But if clearly we, not it enough. It depends on yeah. Bored. he still don't, got don't know how of true it
5: is, right? Because if if his dad was that actually much of a hard ass, he's like, dude, don't expect to fucking work here. You've been given everything. Yeah. there is a version you see that. I doubt that though.
4: Yeah, I, we know he got conservatively a few hundred million dollars.
5: Right, and yeah. also people who have grown up with privilege. I mean, if you're if you want to live in denial about that, that is usually the first thing you say is like, "Do okay, I know I may come from this family. I didn't get a fucking thing though."
4: Yeah, like, and but we also know that like when he became a Navy SEAL, like the when he was going for like the office the OCS class mm-hmm. that like he had to, or one of the classes he had to, one of the things he had school? to do before he became a Navy SEAL, the class was full, uh-huh. and his dad. Pulled some strings to get him in at the last moment, yeah. so like that, I'm I'm gonna bet that happened to help get him into the Air Force Academy too. Sure, like, sure. Yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah, you you'll remember Eric went for to the uh, the academy for a hot minute. At least one instructor thinks he left because it wasn't conservative enough, but in Eric's book, he blames something else. The movie Top Gun. It wasn't long before I realized the Academy wasn't the right fit. It was just after Top Gun had come out, and the environment was an uncomfortable mix of tailhook-era frat boys on one hand and a nonsensical policing of political correctness on the other. I felt as if I was expected to learn from graduate student instructors who knew little more than the fact that they'd been there longer than I had. I quickly began to wonder whether the Academy created great leaders or if great leaders just enrolled there, endured it, and made it out on the other side. Eric did not endure it. He quit after, you know, like a a year, I guess. That sounds like some real college dropout shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, he opted instead for Hillsdale. Uh, he said remembers liking it because everyone there was the same kind of libertarian he was, and because they were all rich kids too. Right. Uh, he does probably note, less diverse than the Air Force. He does note proudly that uh, the college offered him a full scholarship. I'm going to guess because his dad had been giving them some money, uh, but that he we turned it down, and his dad said, "Leave it for someone who needs the money." And he, he portrays this as like a good thing that he did rather than, like, no, of course, if your dad is a billionaire, you don't take yeah. a free ride to college. Yeah, you fucking That's idiots. the human thing to do. Right. <laughs> like- <laughs> Way to pat yourself on the back for the bare minimum. Yeah. Yeah.
5: The, he, and yeah, I
4: could have bought the school, the, but I didn't That could take almost their scholarship. be the title for this autobiography. Like, I think the working title for the episode is Eric Prince Accidentally Wrote a Book About Why He Sucks. Right. Uh, but I, the title for this book might as well be Eric Prince Does the Minimum and Pretends That and He's Here. He congratulates involved. himself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's spectacular. So, yeah, he tells stories like how when he was working as a volunteer firefighter, they thought he was just some rich kid at first. But then he kept showing up early and doing a real good job of cleaning and he earned their respect. <laughs> it's, like, it's like he's rewriting the script of his life. Again, if you worked in that firehouse and have anything to say about Eric Prince, yeah. positive or negative, drop us a line. I'd love to hear from you. He, wait, uh, wait, I'm going to read you the quote. Yeah. Yeah. Now, most Hillsdale students came from money. The butchers, painters, what do you mean, and... Mo- he says it as if he's about to say he didn't come from Now, most of them came from money. <laughs> yeah. Not me. <laughs> the butchers, painters, and slaughterhouse workers who volunteered or worked at the firehouse initially figured me for a snot-nosed college kid. But I showed up at the firehouse early to change the blades on the K-12 rescue saws, and I stayed late to clean the pumps. I handled the heavy canvas hoses and carried the ladders. After a call, when the other volunteers sat back and cracked open a drink, I rolled the hoses, gradually iron their respect. (laughs) They also sound like the equipment manager on a basketball team who sucks, and the guys are doing the real work are like, yeah, why don't you just fucking do that? And that is my suspicion, is that maybe he didn't actually, maybe when there was a call, he was never called out, because they're like, no, that's the fucking, that kid, you don't want that kid in a dangerous situation at your back. And we, there's hints of that in his Navy SEALs experience, too, so Ah. we'll get to that. Whenever Eric is involved in anything sort of cool, personally, he writes about it at length. Like he repeatedly mentions when Blackwater first showed up in Afghanistan, he was there and he actually did guard duty some st- times. Cause okay. they were so, so he he did guard duty in Afghanistan. Nothing ever happened, right. but he did in it. In the green he, zone. He talks about it repeatedly. Right. That like, yeah, and I was there in Afghanistan doing guard duty. Right. Like, so when anything is that close to being cool, yeah, yeah, he I... talks about it at length. I'm going to guess he didn't do anything cool as a firefighter. Maybe not. Yeah. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm being an asshole here. He's like, I was the first person (laughs) to discover the backdraft phenomenon. (laughs) It was around this time that Eric made the first political donation of his life, which we talked about in the first episode, Mm -hmm. the $15,000 he gave to the Republican Party. Uh, Now, in that episode, we speculated that this may have been an attempt by his parents to max out their political donations using their kids as funnels. According to Eric, that's not true. So he Mm -hmm. says that the money was his own, and it came from, quote, investment income from stocks my parents had long ago bought for me. Okay, so he didn't way, take any handouts, yeah. but his parents gave him enough stocks that he was able to donate fifteen thousand dollars to the Republican income. party yeah. at age nineteen. I doubt that. No, nineteen. <laughs> just be
5: real. That's how these wealthy, and I'm sure i pretty sure we talked about that. That's like the standard tactic for wealthy yeah. people of just giving as much money. It's like, well, let me max out, make my dog a max out. Well, donor. it's like
4: if you're if you're if you're born rich and you're listening to the show, I'm sure someone is. Like, fine. Just own it. Just be like, yeah, I'm a millionaire because my parents are rich. Like, okay. Yeah. Just, just don't lie about it. Don't but be like think, President yeah. Trump and be like, we got a small loan from my dad that was millions of dollars. <laughs> right. And like, yeah, you guys, you had it easier because you were rich. Yeah. Yeah. Accept that's it. fine. Like, a, you know that's the way. That you didn't ask to be born rich. No, you just were. So no, just it's like, be gra- I be like yeah, be grateful and honest. I have it a lot easier because I've never had to deal with like a major chronic illness. Right. Exactly. Makes my life easier we than someone who has. We some all have privilege. We all have privilege. Just own it. Don't be a dick about yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Eric Prince. Okay. So yeah, uh, you'll remember that after college, Eric wound up briefly interning for the George H. W. Bush White House. Uh, you recall that he wasn't happy there. Uh, He admits in his book that he didn't like the fact that uh, President Bush was bargaining with people who wanted to weaken the sanctity of marriage, raise taxes, uh, and push environmental policies. So, yeah. Push Uh, environmental policies. Yeah. Uh, He admits that he got chewed out by the deputy chief of staff, Andrew Card, because he wouldn't shut up about his thoughts on how the president ought to do things while he was an intern in the White House, which sounds like what would happen if you're being an insufferable dick. After five months, his internship was not renewed. Of course. Of course not. And that that brings you back to even the firehouse thing it was like, "Actually, you
5: guys should probably be cleaning it like this." Like, "Shut the fuck up, Eric." Yeah, and you he's want like, to "Fine. I'll do, do, it. do it. Clean
4: boy." Yeah. Uh, yeah, you do it, Eric. Fine. Let's all have beers since we just pulled people out of a fire. Yeah, exactly. It's like, <laughs> yeah. "Well,
5: I'm going to switch the K12 blades <laughs> off the saws, whatever."
4: <laughs> Nobody else is cool enough to do right, this. Right. We haven't like, used <sighs> that saw in 4 years, yeah. Eric. Probably the blade's fine. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Saw blades. I'm sorry, Whatever. firefighters. Yeah. Anyway, so you probably remember also that Eric Prince became a Navy SEAL next, uh, mm-hmm. using a family connection to get into the school. Uh, but Prince did pass Hell Week on his own merits, and that's impressive. Uh, and when he got back from becoming a Navy SEAL, this happened. My parents sent me an extraordinary gift, a bronze statue of a cowboy. The artist had inscribed, in the unwritten laws of the range, the work ethic still exists. When you sign for an outfit, you ride for their brand. True commitment takes no easy way out. Now, I think Eric mentioned this because he likes to see himself as a cowboy and like right. he and his contractors as cowboys. I can't imagine a, a quote that does a worse job. Of describing Eric Prince's yeah. work ethic than that. Because every time he makes a commitment, he weasels out of it. Every right. single time. That's the one thing that is 100% true right. with Eric Prince. And I think that's the case with most
5: people who are very insecure with their identity, right? Like they try and project something that is the complete <laughs> opposite of their own, their truth as a person. And yeah. right? so if you're a cowardly, sniveling little brat, you're going to act like the upstanding guy who, like, yeah. hey, first guy in the world, last one. You for to a leave. brand,
4: you read for that brand. That's right. Unless it gets hard, then you leave because you, you had a disagreement unless it gets hard <laughs> in which case that brand was cheating and there was no point in committing to that brand to begin with. Oh, Eric. Uh yeah. So Eric was a Navy SEAL for about 2 years. Uh now it costs it's hard to say, probably somewhere around 300,000 to a half a million dollars just to train a Navy SEAL as much as a million dollars a year to keep that SEAL you know, active and and trained up in the field while they're an active-duty Navy SEAL. Uh, I'm going to guess that the government did not get its money's use out of Eric's brief stint in the Navy SEALs. You're supposed to do that job more than two years if you commit to it. Uh, He says remarkably little about his time doing one of the coolest jobs in existence. I'm going to guess that's because he didn't do very much. There is one telling paragraph where Eric writes about his experience during the Yugoslavian Civil War. In it, he cleverly obscures the fact that he didn't experience any actual combat or real danger during his time there
5: uh, I, would, this yeah, I was just about
4: to ask i'm like what what, what, what kind of action did he i think see? you'll pick up on it. right then in late 1995 as yugoslavia broke apart in the warring states seal team eight deployed to bosnia herzegovina the shattered buildings and war-torn streets were a far cry from the peaceful communities i'd once seen there with my wife we seals were performing combat search and rescue for downed pilots or taking direct action against radar sites not me, Eric Prince. Yeah. We Seals. We Seals. We Seals. Yeah. It's <laughs> odd that he's able to be somewhat truthful in those
5: instances, right? Because like, it seems like he'll embellish anything.
4: Because there's guys who serve yeah, with can him back that would that be, that be like, Eric Prince lied about it. It's his like the once
5: third rail. Yeah. Uh,
4: now, Again, where, is that, where are those Seals? If you were a Navy SEAL in Yugoslavia and you served with Eric Prince and I got it wrong yeah. or I got it right, Do we know his know. BUDS class? I'm sure we could find that yeah. out. Yeah. through would F- F- be possible. F- F- o- I, F- FOIA. I don't know if that's Or you covered. can probably just inc- – or I already it, think you can just inquire, probably right? It's just public knowledge because yeah. they don't keep it secret who a Navy SEAL is. Right, right.
5: Is. Yeah, that's Or we should call – uh, what's that guy who does like the SEAL stolen valor stuff? Don – what's his face? Don Shipley? Oh, yeah. The guy who's like the fucking that OG SEAL hunter
4: be like, hey, can you find his buds I class? mean, he was definitely a SEAL. No, and of he's course. not – But he's... you want to hear – I do want to hear what, what his time was those guys who are probably like. like,
5: dude, I was a SEAL for 15 years. Mm-hmm. This guy quit after two years.
4: I would like to see what his time as a SEAL was like. Uh, because, again, every time he does something, he's directly involved in something cool, he talks about right, it. Right, right. Like, and he just he, he weasels again here.
5: Well, see, that's I, then you kind of see the part where he is intelligent enough to know how far he can stretch mm-hmm. the truth. Because he's like, well, there are people who are going to be able to corroborate yeah. or basically debunk what I say. So let me just say I was... I was in the seals during that time and, yeah. they, and that's what we seals Well, did. I
4: was with the seals team and members of this team right. did, the, did that we stuff. seals did actually I was on like timeout this. because I stole a helicopter and tried to race it. <laughs> Who knows what his what his situation was. Eric's time as a Navy SEAL was cut short. He says it's because his wife got cancer at age 29 oh. and he needed to take care of her and his children. And if you were a normal dude, of course that would be a good reason yeah, to stopping. 100%. A Navy SEAL. Of course. Of course. Uh, and he says, my being gone was suddenly impossible. I requested my discharge from the Navy. Uh, now, here's the thing. Oh, no. Here's the thing. Oh, you dig something up? Do you dig something up there? Uh, well, it's just that uh, almost as soon as he gets home from being a Navy SEAL, he starts Blackwater, and he's spending weekends and weeks away from his wife and children. <laughs> right. <laughs> hiking in the woods and shooting snakes uh, and Jesus. getting the, the land ready for this thing. Uh, I don't know exactly how long he wait, but he waited. But uh, yeah, he. Well, you know, it's it's. It's hard to speculate on that, but it doesn't seem like. And it, did his wife survive? No. Oh uh, no. So yeah, it, it, we're gonna get into how he talks about his wife and some other stuff here. Um, so at one point, he mentions that he and his wife gave half a million dollars to a clinic in Prague, so they could fund experimental treatments to okay. try on his wife. Uh, in in that par- passage, he praises his wife's courage and then says and through it all she seemed more concerned about my loss my impending grief than her own death remember eric you can live without me she would say but you can't live without god now eric starts blackwater yeah as i said soon after leaving the seals and is spending a shitload of time there and after 2001 his business ramps up uh, he starts spending less and less time at home even though that's why he left the navy by 2000 hmm? wait so he left the seals in what, like 97 I think 98, 98, 99 I think 99 okay and then yeah 2000 2001 at that point what was his like wealth at Hundreds of 1000000s Already he didn't need to work, right? Okay. I mean, I would say conservatively, at least like a hundred million. Oh, well, right. From selling the because his family and thing, everyone right. they split one point three billion. Gotcha. Okay. He did not need to work for money. Right. He could have just been a dad and been there with his wife in her last years. He probably could have paid guys to like play war in front of him and actually kill it themselves. Yeah, he could have gone shooting every day if he'd wanted to. He could have bought a ranch, whatever. I'm sure there are people listening right now who have lost spouses to diseases and would have loved to have just been able to not work and spend as much time with them as possible. That's not the strategy Eric took. He started Ugh. a very involved business, and then after two thousand one, he starts going over and spending time in Afghanistan, and you know the the contracting business. And she's ramps still up. battling cancer. At yeah, this off point? and on she's battling cancer. He it goes in remission for a while, but then it comes back. And in like two thousand three, it's it's really bad. Uh, quote, and not just that's bad, but the marriage is bad. By early 2003, my wife and I didn't have much time alone together to begin with, and with those stresses, as well as the effects of cancer and surgery and chemotherapy, eliminated most of the romance or intimacy when we did. I felt as if all I could do to keep things from spinning completely out of control. I felt as if it was all I could do to keep things from spinning completely out of control. And I found comfort in the arms of a woman named Joanna Hook, who had worked as our nanny in Michigan. In mid-2002, when we all moved back to Virginia, she was hired to perform administrative functions at our Moyock Blackwaters Moyoc facility. She became pregnant before Joyne died. So, Ugh. now, relationships are hard. If a friend who had had a spouse die came to me and confessed that they had cheated on their spouse while they was dying as cancer, I would not view that as a good thing, but I wouldn't take it as a condemnation of the person either. It's a nightmare. People have needs.
2: Yeah,
5: we
4: all fall short in difficult times. No, one hundred percent. I mean, yeah, it, I think it, it's
5: it's always it's hard to just judge someone's character solely based on that. It's but an indication. everything else, yeah.
4: But I mean, at the at the same time, based on yeah. like his prior history, even leading up to that. Well, and he 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 portrays himself as a moral paragon on every page of this book. But in my opinion, this cheating is not just a matter of e- Eric failing in the face of terrible sorrow and stress and grasping for a moment of joy. It's an exa- yet another example of his complete inability to degr- to delay his own gratification. Right. Like, because that's his thing. Is he keeps yeah. quitting stuff. He keeps leaving. He he gets bored. He gets bored. Right. He gets bored. Uh, or he doesn't want to be told what to do or whatever. Does he have any, like, regret or, like, does he talk about oh, yeah, that in the book? Oh, yeah, 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 In well, a way we, that we, feels believable? Okay. Well, I'm not going to say in a way that feels believable, but we'll just continue the story. Um, I do, like, I think that that is a big through line, that he cannot stand. Eric left the Air Force Academy because it was hard and he didn't like being exposed to other people's points of view. Uh, he liked Hillsdale, his college, because it was full of people he agreed with. He left the SEALs. And I'm going to guess part of that was because he didn't like being told what to do. I didn't go into it here, but he spends pages and pages of his book talking about everything he thought that was dumb about how SEALs had to train and like mm-hmm. the way they had to travel. And like he sets it up as like, and this inspired me to create Blackwater, to create a better training environment for SEALs. But right. I feel like he's just... Anyway...
5: Yeah, you had two years, and then you're
4: the expert. And- Eric Prince does not have a good record of sticking to things. Right. Uh, now, here is the way he concludes his story about his wife's death and his infidelity. In March 2003, on a ski trip in Vail, Colorado, Joan wrote me a long letter. She left it on the dresser in our vacation home there. My wife understood it would likely be her last time visiting a place we both loved and that I would find the letter when I returned at Christmas time, nine months later without her. It was the most caring, most awful thing I've ever read. She knew everything about everything with Joanna. I had devastated her. Yet, in her final months, Joan had found the strength to forgive me. There are no excuses for what happened. There's not a day that goes by that I don't regret the way I hurt her. After years of pain and treatments, on June 14, 2003, my beautiful wife surrendered her body to her creator and passed from this life. She was 36 years old. I cut out a small lock of her hair to keep, and I asked the doctor for the chemotherapy port that had been implanted in her upper chest. Really, the doctor said? That thing was the bane of her existence. That's the closest thing to her heart. I said, I've got it to this day. So, what do you uh, think of that? Uh, <laughs> uh. Our Sophie looks grossed out. It's just so dark. It's dark that it's the thing that she hated. I don't know. I'm yeah. not gonna criticize the. Guy I don't. It's that.
5: hard. Like you know, it's, it's like the one terror part. Part of this whole thing where I, it's hard for me to fully be like, oh, fuck you, you gross son of i I'm it. sure it was. I don't awful. know. You, everyone grieves in their own way. Yeah, and I don't, I don't wish for anyone to live through that kind of no, experience. It seems like, like a It's awful. Like if you've ever had to, you know, deal with that, it's just, a, it's an awful, awful it's a, experience. It's a
4: soul destroying thing, uh, and I don't think he had much of a soul to begin with.
5: Yeah, yeah, but part of me just thinks like, I don't know if he even really, if he's even really had a real
4: relationship with other human beings. It's hard to that. say because. There's some more gross stuff coming up. So Eric married his former nanny and stayed with her for eight years. They divorced in 2012. Uh, in 2009, the next nanny. <laughs> well, in 2009, two anonymous individuals who claimed to be ex-Blackwater workers filed sworn statements in federal court. One of these men claimed, quote... Mr. Prince knowingly hired two persons who were previously involved in the Kosovo sex trafficking ring to serve at relatively high levels within his company. Mr. Prince's North Carolina operations had an ongoing wife-swapping and sex ring, which was participated in by many of Mr. Prince's top executives. XE, because his company was XE at this time, spokeswoman Stacey DeLuke denied this and called it obvious slander. Also, it seems like Stacey is now Eric Prince's wife. So that seems oh, above board. Wow. <laughs> Eric what Prince. The fuck. Kosovo sex ring guys. I didn't even there's more to dig into that one. I just didn't have cuz there's so much else to get into. How There's uh. also one of the other guys talked about how he's been having people assassinated who knew dirt about his company. And like made was willing to make a claim in federal court about it. I don't know. I have not gotten into all of this. There will be more episodes about Eric Prince in the fucking future. Yeah, it will. Never ending. He, there's just too much. You yeah. can't, you, like, we, we've we expanded to two episodes. And we're probably and only in, like, the second much. act of his life. We're in the second chapter of his book. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> okay. Uh, so the first third of his book is a pretty straightforward autobiography covering, you know, his life and the creation of Blackwater. Uh, but then it stops after around the time that the Iraq war starts, it stops being a normal autobiography. And every chapter starts being just him defending himself and Blackwater against different allegations of Blackwater's failures, crimes, and massacres and stuff.
5: Wait, so how far are we in the book until this, about this we're about where we are, about a third of the way into so the book. So one third of the book functions somewhat like a biography. And
4: then it's just him defending his company and, and him his just going of horrible crimes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's the whole book. <laughs>
5: Eric Prince, nah. Nuhuh,
4: Nuh-uh. <laughs> I didn't. I'm a hero, nuh-uh. <laughs> I'm so good. <laughs> oh. Okay. So I'm not going to go through all of these chapters sure, sure, because sure. we don't have days for this podcast. I am going to talk about a couple of cases of him defending himself. And if you want to read the book yourselves, the bullshit tactics he uses in these will be evident. But don't don't actually pay for the book. It's bad yeah, enough that Yeah, please steal a PDF of um, a torrent or something. He said that that's not Bastards Pod's official uh Oh yeah, take sorry. Yeah, that's matter. that's no one's take. I, it I would be media. if it's possible to steal a copy of Eric Prince's book and a person out there in the world did that, I would not condemn them as a human being for that action, although I would not condone or support their decision. I
5: will go a step further and say go to www. <laughs> Bay. I thought you were going to say LimeWire.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Kazaa. Download Kazaa. Download
5: the Kazaa app. You're going to
4: love it. <laughs> oh, boy. We are elderly men. Okay. <laughs> <No. laughs> <so>, Kazaa, <laughs> LimeWire. Let, let's talk about how Eric Prince justifies. Do you remember that fuck-up in Fallujah where four of his men got murdered and two of them got strung up by a bridge and it sparked the Battle of Fallujah that killed yes. tens of thousands or thousands? A lot of people. I don't know how many. I don't. That was in the last episode. Listen to the last episode. It killed
5: a lot of people. Uh, Let me li- hold on. Let me listen to the last episode really quick. I'll
4: be right back. Do, 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 and we're oh, back. Oh my god. Okay. Yep. Fuck this guy, right? Okay. Now, if you'll remember, uh, Eric Prince had taken up a contract to deliver kitchen supplies or Blackwater had. Uh, Prince describes them as literally pots and pans in the book. Uh, Here's how he describes the sweet deal he made with the company to deliver their kitchen supplies. We agreed to provide a squad of 34 men to protect ESS's personnel and convoys, the convoys of kitchen supplies. Regency was to pay my company $11 million for a year of work, just shy of $1 million per month, with an option to renew for a second year. Now, Eric describes Blackwater's mindset at the start of the war on terror as say yes first, iron out the details later. And when he said yes to this job, some of those missing details included the fact that his men didn't have enough armored vehicles, machine guns, or actual contractors oh, to fulfill my. the mission. <laughs> details! So do you go to like Home Depot and be like, who has uh, military experience? If you've, if you've ever talked to a soldier who served in Iraq in the early 2000s, they'll all agree that armored vehicles are a pretty minor detail when you're driving through the streets. of Right. Who who needs (laughs) needs a little bit of armor? And machine guns? For what? Come on. It's kitchen equipment. It's nothing. Yeah, it's nothing. Nothing. Oh. Anyway, yeah. uh, Eric notes with pride that his company got the cooking equipment contract after another private security firm refused due to the obvious risk of the route. Uh, So a responsible company was like, we can't safely do this. I'm sorry. Like you're supposed to do. So... Prince picked up the contract. Uh, he hey, blames fake the fact. It you make it. Yeah, he blames the fact that they that they had to send in a smaller team than advertised without the proper equipment to the actions of another security company that he says basically forced them to do the mission before they were ready because these guys contract they ended it sooner than they should have ended it, and mm. so we just didn't have enough time to do it. Uh, He also claims that the extra men and armor and weapons wouldn't have made a difference because the ambush was so well set up. Oh, fuck off. Nothing could have stopped this from happening. In other words, the fact that Blackwater's men weren't prepared and the escort was sent out unable to meet the company's own standards was not Eric's fault. There was no other way things could have gone. And obviously they couldn't have canceled the mission because that would have been really bad for them financially. And those pots and pans needed delivering. Anyway. So just uh,
5: he knew from the beginning it was a wash. Yeah, yeah,
4: yeah. Here's a quote from the Prager Security International textbook, Shadow Force, Private Security Contractors in Iraq. It was Blackwater management, not the State Department, that reduced the preparation time for the ill-fated security detail so that they were dropped in place in their first day on the job. It was Blackwater management that decided to send out a four-man detail instead of the usual six. It was Blackwater that decided to send the detail in soft-skinned instead of armored vehicles. It was Blackwater that decided not to give the detail machine guns as required by contract. So, oh my God, so you
5: even <laughs> reached to the fucking
4: guys? Just lazy. It's like you didn't even fucking follow through on the contract. Yeah, and it's. I'm sure if there's one thing you could have definitely found in Iraq at that time, it the was machine extra gun. machine guns. Yeah. Like there's a lot of them. What in do the they country. mean by that? Like mounted, like 50 cal. I don't something, think. Or I like... think. I mean, anything bigger than like an M4. But I think that's right. all they were armed with. It was just four guys with personal weapons. Oh wow! Which you don't want to roll through. It's kind of risky to roll through Fallujah today with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God because he's cheap. Just because he's cheap. And, um, yeah. He, and he
5: can't, he can't ever accept that something could be a failure like yeah, that. To but you might
4: have to say, we can't do the mission right now. Right. Leave the pots and pans. Maybe they get stolen. Right. Whatever. Like, it can't go today. better than people losing their lives. You would think if you were uh, a human being.
5: Yeah, but when you're looking like, at an $11 million contract. Clearly, right?
4: whoever was working with the other security company that said no was a human being. and was like, no, people are going to get killed, and it's not worth it for pots and pans. Because that's why someone with, like, functional like a basic moral experience co- to be like yeah I've
5: been I've had to deal with that and yeah. that's not something I want to repeat right yeah if, like, no
4: this is a bad idea yeah it cannot be responsibly done so or, we yeah, will I mean, not I do not I have no battlefield experience and I would just be like what are you talking about oh <laughs> uh, it seems like our own rules say yeah. armored vehicles are necessary yeah. and these aren't I don't even take risks when I play like Sid Meier's <laughs> civilization <laughs> let alone like with real people's lives Oh, boy. So a lot of Eric Prince's book actually serves as not very covert legal defenses against the families of the men who died in this attack, uh, all of whom have since sued Blackwater for negligence. Uh, Prince is very careful. He provides fawning hagiographies of how wonderful all of the guys who died were, uh, even as he throws shade on the mission commander, a guy named Battalona, for deciding to go in quote No one questioned Battalona's decision to accept the mission especially since his insistence on shrinking the convoy showed that he was aware of the risks because he asked to transport fewer vehicles because there right. were so few men but I'm going to guess Battalona got pressured by somebody to do the mission oh, no shit it was probably like yo we'll cut, we'll give you another extra blah 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 it you know who knows what they said and they were all new to the job so yeah. they wanted to do a good prove right. that they were company men you know uh, Prince is unctuously kind to the families in his description of them. He listened to Tale, how he visited all of them, and how he invited them to a thing at the Blackwater ranch or whatever. Uh he talks about how sad he was and he quotes from thank you letters that the family sent him before it became clear that negligence had been responsible for their loved ones' deaths and sued him. Um so yeah he quotes from like the letters grieving what wife sent him in the immediate aftermath of this before oh, they knew so all the details. He got ahead of it by being really nice to them yeah, basically yeah. to try and fucking and gaslight And then they sent them. him let because they were just grateful that he was seemed so caring in this terrible moment, you know, because they yeah. knew there was danger and then they realized oh there was my oh, wait. You are,
5: you, this is your this guilt is, this manifested. Is, yeah, exactly. Your kindness is manifested and guilt.
4: He makes a huge point about the fact that one of the men's last paychecks for $9,000 was held up because he was dead and his wife couldn't cash it. So Prince notes that the company cut her a check directly and says, quote, If the estate comes after us for the money, then so be it, reads one of our internal staff emails from the time. It sounds like the kids need the money. So he makes a big show about the fact that he made it slightly easier for them to get $9,000 that they were owed but then you know didn't fought the co- families in court over yeah. paying them out anything extra over the fact that they had you know sent their loved ones into a dangerous situation without the proper equipment without the equipment that their own company's rules said that was necessary I think moments like these really reveal how little Eric Prince believes human beings ought to be expected to do for one another. Yeah. Like, that's one of the things that strikes out to me. Like, to a normal person, this is the least gesture you would expect from a company who had gotten one of your relatives killed. And he acts like it's a great humanizing anecdote for Blackwater. He's from outer space. Yeah. One of the funny through lines for this book is Eric's refusal to call his men mercenaries. He's continuously offended at the mere thought of that. And then he drops in lines like this about the men who died in Fallujah and the legal complications around that. So they weren't combatants, but they weren't non-combatants. Badalona, Zovko, Helvinson, and Teague were civilians, but they were armed, ultimately at the behest of the Department of Defense, pursuing dangerous missions. The four fell into a glaring gray area of international law that experts in Geneva and beyond have continued to debate for years. Yeah. Okay. Uh, What do you call civilians with guns in a war zone doing Doing missions missions. for money?
5: Yeah. Uh, If only there was a term for that. Right. Fucking mercenary.
4: What is that? I've or, never I mean, heard oh, of I'm that. I'm sorry.
5: Hessians. <laughs> we call them Hessians. <laughs> the only thing I would call a mission was like in high school would be like go to 7-Eleven for blunt wraps or like something like that. Like, yo, bust a mish.
4: That's the only mission as a civilian. You bust it. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you'd carry guns in to get those blunt wraps, you would have been Didn't the need same em. as these guys. The that... valley was pretty safe. <laughs> you know what I mean? Ah, uh, boy. Okay. So we're not going to take, again, we're not going to take a point-by-point look at every fucked-up defense Eric... Puts together, but we are going to talk a little bit more about the Nisar Square massacre. Now, this is where several of Eric's employees fired machine guns and grenades into a crowd, killing 14 and wounding a shitload of people. Uh, their story and the story Prince tells is that they were taking heavy incoming fire. Prince repeatedly references incoming AK-47 fire and points out that a bullet damaged the coolant line of one of their vehicles. Now, that doesn't gel with the testimony of Jeremy Ridgway, a Blackwater ex-employee who was at Nissar. I'm going to quote Fox News' summary of it. Just so you know, I'm not picking out some lefty source to make these guys Right, look right. Bad. This is the Fox, this is probably the most charitable version. Ridgway told a jury that he didn't see any Iraqis pointing guns in Nisaur Square and that there were no telltale muzzle flashes in the distance, that there was no incoming fire and that there was no sound of AK-47 rounds. Going Going off, as would be the case if insurgents were shooting at the Blackwater guards from nearby. Now, you'll remember maybe that a lot of these people were shot in the back. The civilians who died were found to have been shot in the back uh, while they were running away, as a normal person would say it. Eric Prince phrases it as they were shot in the back, presumably mistaken for retreating insurgents. So. The military looked over everything, and their experts, who sure as shit had no vested interest in making it look like anyone had committed a war crime in Iraq, determined that this had been an excessive shooting. Uh, There had been no sign of incoming fire. Prince summarizes their view of the incident as a one-sided shooting rather than a massacre. Then he says, it's safe to say that my men and I disagree with that assessment. Except now, for the one that literally disagreed with <laughs> the assessment. Except for the guy who t- testified, yeah. In, in a jury, right. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, let's, most, not let's not get hung up on Let's not get hung up on that. Now, most of Eric's evidence seems to be that the investigators, uh, or that his own investigators, later found a bullet in the grill of one of Blackwater's trucks. He says that the vehicles had been shot up in all of the fighting, but that they had to, DOD rules said that all of the vehicles had to be in good repair, so we were acquired by contract to immediately repair the vehicles, and that's why there wasn't-
5: Oh, right, right. right. And we didn't really take pictures either, but <laughs> they were there.
4: He says they took pictures. He hasn't... But where they at? Where yeah. they at. Yeah. yeah. Don't know. It it did, I'm going to guess if he had pictures, it went to the Army, and they did not find them compelling. Right. Uh, they did find a bullet in the grill of one of Blackwater's trucks. Um, but... It was just a bullet. We don't know what type of bullet it was. It was damaged enough that they could not definitively tie it to any particular kind of weapon. And we know that Blackwater's men were shooting like crazy. Bullets ricochet. In a, in a war zone where people are shooting, bullets wind up in weird fucking places. Right. It's entirely possible one of their rounds ricocheted and got embedded in the grill of this truck. It, no way to, No way to say one way or the other. A single bullet in the grill of this truck is thin evidence to hold against the Army when their investigators say, nobody was shooting at you. Right. Yeah. Ugh. Now, in 2014, four of Prince's men were convicted, three of them for manslaughter and one for first-degree murder. But last August 2017, a federal appeals court threw out the convictions for three of them in order to retrial. The man with the murder conviction, Nicholas Slattin, was a sniper who the government accused of having fired the first shots. But during the trial, another mercenary admitted to shooting first, so his conviction was dropped. The other two had their convictions thrown out because the prosecutors had used a U.S. law made to prosecute domestic criminals to give them Extra long sentences since they had committed the crime with machine guns. Um, so basically, if you commit a crime in the U.S. with a machine gun, you get an additional sentence. Right. The prosecutors were saying, basically, look at all the people these guys killed. We owe it to those dead civilians to try and get these guys as much time as possible. So they used that law. But the jury rightfully was like, it was their job to carry machine guns. It is bullshit right. to it's give them like extra time for criminals that. Who That's who like not strong here. Right, right, yeah. yeah. So they didn't get off the case because they were legitimately innocent. It was the prosecutors like Yeah, who were yeah. a little overzealous. Yeah, exactly. Uh, now, Eric ends his book by talking about his charities and making it seem like he's enjoying the peaceful retirement of a true American hero. Quote, it remains to be seen what my future might hold. Tomorrow was one less day than I've got now, and only God knows how many more I'll have. But in the meantime, I'm enjoying a quieter life. I had a small Hobie cat, which is a type of boat, delivered to our home in Abu Dhabi today, shortly after my family relocated. The kids are still learning their way around the fiberglass catamaran, the same way I once poked around with our Boston whaler back in Michigan. But most every day in Abu Dhabi is a good day to swim across the bay, catching the next gust of wind and teaching my own children to feel at home on the water. Of course, while he was in Abu Dhabi writing this, he was also teaching an army of Colombian mercenaries to fight on behalf of the Emirati government. Dozens of those men and God knows how many other people are now dead in Yemen. Uh, so, uh, Okay. <laughs> it's and hard to say. And the catamarans, too. like little link to now. And now it's he's like, armed catamarans. Yeah. yeah. So it's hard to say what the future is going to be for Eric Prince, his new Navy, and the new Air Force I'm sure he's right around the corner from getting his hands on. I'm going to guess whatever that future is, it's going to involve a lot of body bags. yeah uh. Wow, Eric! Eric,
5: I'm just living a quiet life now in Abu Dhabi.
4: Yeah, what the training f- a small mercenary army for a repressive theocratic regime? Exactly, like you do. I'm Whoa. like, I'm like the the guys at the end of Shawshank Redemption, mm. but with a mercenary but army mercenary, that's going to be used right. to commit war crimes in Yemen.
5: Uh Hessians. <laughs> Let's call them Hessians. <laughs> oh well, I it's it's so wild because he truly <laughs> is like <laughs> the physical manifestation of capitalism in the military industrial complex like
4: yeah, it, all in one man in one
5: fucking man it's amazing. like the worst parts of all yeah. of those things just expressed themselves in the goo that yeah. turned into eric prince
4: yeah it's like the military industrial complex had a baby and yeah the, with, with late stage capitalism and there there it is it's eric fucking prince wow one of the worst people who's ever lived. A true bastard, for <laughs> a true, sure. A true, true fucking true bastard. bastard. Yeah, in fact, I'm going to get I'm going to bump him above bastard and call mm. him a real piece of shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eric Prince everybody. All right, Miles, you got some pluggables to plug.
5: Oh, uh, let's see. Well, yeah, Glade plugins, guys, uh, they're available at most supermarkets right now. Please take that. Uh, Airwick, also, another pluggable I love. Uh, but love if you're all more free interested, yeah, look, again, look, uh, GlaxoSmithKline, you know, <laughs> SC Johnson Wax, please holler at us. Uh, if you are looking for the more podcast route, I'm on the Daily Zeitgeist with Jack O'Brien. We do that every day, uh, talking news and culture, whatever's in the Z Geist, as it were. Uh, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram
4: at Miles of Gray. That's about it. You can find me on Twitter at I Write okay. Uh You can find my book on Amazon, A Brief History of Vice. It's I recreate weird ancient drugs and damage my body. Uh, you can find this uh, podcast on the internet at behindthebastards.com, where you will find all of the sources for this episode. Uh, you can also find us on Instagram and Twitter at BastardsPod. So uh, check us out. Uh, check us out on Tee Public where Mm -hmm. we have a store you know behind the bastards you can buy our t-shirts there and some of that money will go to me, and I will use that money to buy the liquor that I will use to drink myself into forgetting that Eric Prince exists. Mm. So, uh, help a brother out with buying T-shirts, and, uh, and also let's get this Doritos campaign going. Let's, let's, yeah, yeah, tweet. Well, what did I, we decide on? Why I eat Doritos? Right. If why you I have eat Doritos? That, because
5: guys, what we're trying to do is connect a action from the consumer to a media source, and this is the this is how capital. And in works, fairness, so.
4: hundreds of you have already. I know, us I'm the Doritos so you bought.
5: impressed <laughs> when I see your guys' social media and seeing the amount of people just like posing with Doritos. It's like dozens a week sometimes. Part of me gets yeah. really upset though that it's this free advertising with no. I mean, it's a good product.
4: I am oh, I am all right with that. got but... the
5: Stockholm syndrome. Mm. You're like, it's fine. Mm-hmm. One day they'll recognize me. And I do hope
4: one day they will. But these are delicious. Well, if anything we can say, you are the Eric Prince of Doritos. Thank you. Make me the Eric Prince of Doritos. (laughs) Tweet why I love Doritos. Hashtag why I eat Doritos. Hashtag why I eat Doritos. Attach at the Doritos company at this podcast. And see what happens yeah maybe maybe i'll get my own catamaran what, you with, know, what? with a machine with gun, a machine gun, on gun. It, i really hope so you know what uh, you know what's actually gonna happen what? doritos
5: is gonna steal your hashtag and do an actual ad campaign for like themselves and cut, put you in the
4: cold that's how this shit works if that's what happens that's what happens and my the, hope hey, is that they buy me a, mach- a catamaran with a machine gun yeah i mean could you imagine? That's how this story actually is like. Hey,
5: look, sorry we couldn't optically we couldn't get in bed with you with the Doritos thing. Here's a catamaran with machine. gun.
4: It, it, it is a catamaran with a machine gun.
5: Sorry, it's soft skinned.
4: You know, <laughs>
5: we can't we can't go all the way. I right. don't it's,
4: plan on delivering kitchen supplies. It's much heavier when you have an armored catamaran. All right, guys. Uh, I love about forty percent of you, and Brian. Bye.
1: Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: In the recent history of documentary filmmaking, one scene stands out above all. The hot mic bathroom confession of Robert Durst and the Jinx. Now, the person responsible for that moment, Sereb Kaufman, stepson of the victim, friend of the murderer, star of the documentary, for the first time ever, shares why he believes you're watching The Furthest Thing from the Truth on this exclusive episode of Murder Homes. Listen to Murder Homes on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins.